Megan, I don't have the energy to come up with a cold open for Cobbs and Shobbs. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't have... <laughs> Are we going to call it Cobbs and Shobbs? <laughs> I'm very tempted to title it Fun Fiction Cobbs and Shobbs. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say I love that I, I did that, that I ruined that. that <laughs> it's just unrecognizable now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I uh, I don't have the energy because I wrote five thousand whole words about Hobson Shaw and Jesus Christ. I don't think the script to Hobson Shaw was that many <laughs> words long. But you know what, Megan? What? It is certainly some fun. It fucking better be. <laughs> you are not prepared. <laughs> Welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like, and I'm what you call a nice big can of whoop ass, Scotty Moore. And I'm two very large bald men <laughs> who are contractually obligated to uh, never lose a fight to each other. I'm Megan Danger. Is that legit? I mean, I wouldn't doubt if it was in both of their contracts that they can't lose fights to one another. The contract was that uh, they had to lose like the same amount. Like One could never have one up on the other. That's some pro wrestling ass bullshit, and I fucking love it because we're talking Hobbs and Shobbs. You really have ruined it for me. <laughs> we have to talk about that. It's genuinely one of my favorite flicks, and you have fucking ruined the title for me. Uh, we're talking Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, an absolute masterclass in filmmaking that I love to death. And that I, I've permanently marred in your brain forever. <laughs> as, as Cobbs and Chubbs. Because many, 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 many years ago, in the year of our Lord, what, 20, 2019, Not, 2018? Yeah, 2019, I think. Whatever we would have been seeing the trailer for it, when, when me and RJ first saw it, we were just like, yeah, movie, Hobbs, Hobbs and Hobbs, Shaws, Shaws and Hobbs, Hobbs, Shaws, and, <laughs> and it just, every time we brought up whether or not we were going to go see it, it just got more and more tortured and incorrect to the point where when we actually did go see it in, in, half ah, fuck, when we did actually go see the movie, it was like, oh yeah, we're going to go see Cobbs and Shops. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it became forever and so when i talk about it with anyone i i, I do have to explain to, yeah you know the one the, the fast and furious spin on cobs and shops <laughs> <laughs> i have never seen a single fast and the furious film except for Hobbs and shaw this what? is the only fast and the furious what? film i've seen what yeah, not a single one. I really want to see, um, was the nines the one that the trailer just dropped for, and the F whole big fanine. plot point is the, the fact- The fanine of the fanorniest. <laughs> I hope they call the 10th uh, the one Fasten. <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, the trailer for Fast 9 where uh, they go to space and use magnets that <laughs> apparently affect other cars but don't affect their car. I'm real hyped for it. Because for the longest time, I did think these films were about cars. And I've slowly realized that, no, it's just about Vin Diesel being fucking insane. No, no, just- God, Scott. See, that's the thing. You haven't seen them. You don't understand. The first movie which came out in 2001, I think, was about busting a street racing... No, was about ingratiate. It was about a man ingratiating himself with a street racing ring because they were stealing VCRs (laughs) and, like, DVD players. That was the plot. It was cargo fast, Ja Rule grab a titty... Vin Diesel <laughs> steal VCR were family. And now satellites in speed. The point A to point B is fucking insane. And you have to, you have to, the linear progression is just, oh God, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but we got to stick with cops and shops, which I, oh yes, I yes. I just, adore. I just had to, the fact that you have not, I had to, just the context is necessary. But yes, cops and shops. Taking away the Idris Elba killing everyone open to the film, this film does have the best opening of all time of just, hey, here's what Dwayne does in the morning and here's what Jason Stakums does in the morning. (laughs) And now they're going to go bust the exact same crime, but on opposite sides of the world. And I don't. Here's the thing. During it, like, there's all this fun similarities to set up. They're different, but they're the same. And (laughs) But my favorite one is the fact that, like I opened the show with, Rock says, I'm what you call a nice big can of whoop ass. And it's like, oh, yeah, Rock, that's a saying that people say. Then it cuts to Jason Statham, who for some reason stole a bottle of champagne while walking through the dance club. And he just goes... I'm what you call a champagne problem. Jason, that's not a thing. I do not think that's a saying, Jason. You're just saying words. (laughs) And then he proceeds to beat the shit out of all the bad guys when the champagne bottle goes, huh, I thought it'd break. And then just yeets it at the ground so it shatters everywhere. Like, Jason... Jason, calm down. (laughs) Although the rock is not without his sins as well, because rock does tattoo. I heart cops on a mafia gang leader's forehead, which is very fucking good. (laughs) I forgot about that. It's a great, like every time you rewatch it, just more shit comes out of nowhere where you're like, oh, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, ah, Idris Elba, he's just going to be like a boring cyborg, man. He, I guess it's a rule in all the contracts of the leads of Fast and the Furious films that you gotta be cool. You can't not be like a normal human being or a cyborg. Because even Idris Elba is just like the most charming man of all time. The only reason we're told to root against him is because Cobbs and Shops told us to. <laughs> you don't like this man. <laughs> it's like, but, but he's Idris You don't, don't, don't. No. In case, yeah, in <laughs> case you thought maybe Idris has a turn, 
His first line in the fucking film, someone goes, Who are you? Bad guy. And then it just goes on normally. The film really likes using the word bad guys like they're all five year five years old. Well <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps this is a Rugrat spin-off and obviously Dwayne the Rock Johnson is Tommy. Jason Stakeums is Chucky, and this is just a very high-definition render of a Rugrats adventure. I mean, look, is is not a it's not a subtle situation. Yo, they got they got make it real simple. Bad guys, did the bad bad, guy. Guy. bad guys? What are they doing? What are their motivations? What are their bad guys? Bad guys do thing. Well, they do have, like, a decent motivation, which is just like, we want to take a virus, unleash it onto the Earth, which, bad timing to watch that right now. Yeah, well. We're going to unleash this upon the Earth, and basically, who lives is pretty strong, and it's now the next evolution of humanity. All right, Idris. Also, we're going to put a computer in their brain and make this spine out of metal. Okay, Idris. I'm Black Superman. I'm Black Superman. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, the cameos, man. Oh, God. The, can- the, the random people that pop up in this movie are fucking wild. But, see, that's well, the thing. Been- there is, they're not, like, like, like... Chobbs' mom is not random. Like, she was in prior fast, which yeah. you don't know because you haven't seen them. Oh, it's it's fucking Helen Mirren, isn't it? Yes. That's his mom, which, holy shit, good pull on y'all Fast and the Furious to get Helen Mirren in on this shit. She wanted to. She was like, get, get me in there. I adore the Fast People <laughs> movies. Please give me a role. I'm Helen Mirren. <laughs> like, I don't think there were any of them that I expected. Helen Mirren, like, I think I knew because they had announced it on the cast list, but Ryan fucking Reynolds. Yeah. Just stealing just, just the show. <laughs> he stole the show, though. An excellent scene between him and uh, old Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which is a duo... I never thought I'd need it, but now I get it. And apparently they have another new movie coming up. But I think it's because Cobbs and Shobbs was either directed or written by the people who also worked on Deadpool 2, which, what? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see, directed by David Leish. Yes, who directed Deadpool 2. So that's why you got... Deadpool in it. You got fucking boy what had a mustache and died in Deadpool 2. And then uh Kevin Hart, I genuinely do not think Kevin Hart knew he was going to be in a movie. <laughs> he was just on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm like, Dwayne asked him to hang out one day, and he was just like, hey, go sit your monkey ass up there in that seat. And then someone handed him a script, and then Kevin got to do a role. <laughs> Holy shit, he also did Atomic Blonde? Fuck yeah, this guy rules. That movie was dope. Uh, he also is uncredited as the director of John Wick. Who is Holy- supposed to have a cameo in this movie. 
John Wick. Yes. In in Cobbs and Shops. In Cobbs and Shops. How? Uh, give me a sec. I gotta find it again. Oh, okay. I I see. Apparently, Ke- you mean Keanu Reeves, right? Not the character John Wick. No, no, no. Here, hang on. I gotta f- give me a second. Give me a second. Because I see that the director for Etion was a apparently a role that Keanu was in negotiations for. So that may have been where you saw John Wick was going to be in Cobbs and Jobs. No, no, no. Um, no. Okay. Vamp for a second. I'm looking for it. No, I vamped as much as I can. Although I did... Here's the thing about, like, being a person who studied voice acting for so fucking long is the fact that I can tell when someone's voice is there, even when modified, which is how I quickly realized the Etion director's name was voiced by Ryan Reynolds, who's already another character in the film. So uh, me (laughs) and the rest of the internet are like, hey, the most lovable character in this film is also the ultimate bad guy. (laughs) So uh, how about that sequel, though? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wrote a whole ass sequel. Don't you worry. <laughs> we gotta wait to get to it. But I, I yeah, no, I, I know, I know. You're uh, not finding anything on this John Wick situation, no, are you? No, I saw it. I'm, I'm trying to scroll to find it again. It's just a matter of there's so much goddamn trivia. In this also goddamn another uh, another cameo that I-, I personally enjoyed, current WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns showing up at the end, and just beating the shit out of people with his brother, and then getting to do his finishing moves. Which when you put a wrestler in a film, you better let them hit their finishing move. I don't give a shit. What movie? I don't care if it was the one where The Rock played a gay cowboy. He better have hit a rock bottom in the middle of it. I don't give a shit. I hope John Cena gives an attitude adjustment to Dominic Toretto in Fast 9. Um, I, I think he wants to also because they hate each other so much. <laughs> and then what, what that is also one of my favorite things about the ending scene is the fact that it followed in the same vein that I think Zombieland 2 did this, not as well, though, of Hollywood saying, you know what? Fuck guns. Our good guys ain't gonna be using guns in this film for the ending of it. Yeah, but they they shot guns multiple times throughout it, Hollywood. Yeah, but they'll forget that. The big ending. There's no guns. So Keanu Reeves was going to be the Etienne director, and okay. uh, he was. Uh, it was going to be like when it was going to be re- like revealed that he was going to like look like John Wick. Oh, okay. So it was just basically, hey, you want to come play John Wick again? Yeah. But just as a different name? Yeah. Do you, do you just want to be, like, re- re- <laughs> palette swap John Wick? <laughs> 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 but they, they couldn't get Keanu Reeves, I guess, because he was doing other shit. I don't know. Or no, sorry. Yeah. It says, we were talking and it just didn't feel right creatively. 
is is the quote. Yeah, I feel like here's the thing. I know Keanu Reeves could possibly fit in this as that bad guy, but also I never thought I would call Keanu Reeves subtle, but he's too subtle for Fast and the Furious, I think. Like genuinely, <laughs> I think I think Ryan Reynolds being revealed to be the bad guy may work the best out of anything. I think it would be the most fun. Yeah, if you let him keep playing like the Locke character, he's just the bad guy now. Yeah, that would be really, really fun. Um, and I may play with that a little bit in my fan fiction. Who fucking knows? Who knows? I did find uh, the article where I was talking about. So, uh, that uh, revealed when it came to to Shobbs and Cobb stars Dwayne Johnson and Jason Stakeup's contracts, everything down to the amount of damage they could take on screen was negotiated into their overall deal. And naturally, they were never allowed to lose a fight on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, this is apparently not the first time this sort of thing has come up in the history of the Fast and Furious franchise either, as apparently Vin Diesel's just like Johnson and Statham doesn't want to be beaten too much in the public eye, although Diesel has apparently gone the extra mile by relying on his sister slash fellow series producer Samantha Vincent to help count the blows he's taken to make sure they're in his preferred damage ratio. <laughs> she has like a little fucking bar, like it's fighting game, and is pulling it down slowly. How many punches? Because Vin Diesel would definitely do this. Do you think Vin Diesel is like, I will take an upwards of 69 punches in a film and that's it because it's the sex number. <laughs> it is the sex number. No it more is than sex that. Number. <laughs> no more than the sex number because it'd be funny. <laughs> I'm Vin Diesel. <laughs> but yeah, that's why it's like, so whenever they fight, that's why you got to pay attention in Hobbs and Shaw because we did know that going in. Because we had read that. Oh, yeah. So we're like, yeah. So we, we, we when we did go see the movie, we were watching during all their fight scenes to be like, all right, now, okay, he put him through a table, but he just put him through a wall, but he just did. So it's like they're never, like, fuck, one never has, like, one over the other. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, like, that makes even more sense for the end fight where they're fighting Idris Elba. And the way they defeat Idris Elba is literally one of them has to get punched while the other one lands a blow. And they're just trading getting punched and having the other one get the shit kicked out of them. Yep. Also, this film, I've not, like I said, not seen Fast and the Furious, so I don't know if this is the most buckwild set piece ever. But the fact that Dwayne Johnson flies a helicopter <laughs> like a kite and the chin <laughs> and the string of the kite is trucks is my favorite thing of all time yes up there <laughs> it's up there I'm just like oh we're coming off the ground don't worry Oos. and then just another Samoan came in and hooked on and then finally hit the maximum juice and then they use their super go fast juice to pull them back to earth I mean, like, in terms of physicality, yeah. 
it's definitely yeah. fucking insane. I, I love the point of comparison is, you know, in Captain America, where the man what got injected with the superhuman juices is just struggling to hold a, a helicopter back and be like, mm, no, helicopter, no, my arms, my fingers. Dwayne Johnson don't need super soldier <laughs> serum. He's got Zoa, his new energy drink that rips ass, not sponsored. Um, but we could wouldn't be. Wouldn't it be buck wild if we were, though? God, we could be. <laughs> we, could, we could be millionaires thanks to Zoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it is because it's The Rock. Like, obviously, the part where he's holding onto the truck with one <laughs> hand and the chain with the other and has to pull them back together, resisting the force of a helicopter and a car. Actually, multiple cars pulling him forward. That one, I always kind of realized, this is Buckwild. The one that didn't hit me until my, my most recent watching of less than two hours ago is when he's fighting Shaw's sister and she's like choking him out literally about to kill him and he just stands the fuck up and single hand gorilla presses her above his head and that's how he wins the fight I'm like Dwayne why don't you always do that bud why don't you just always keep him up there just be your go to move my man it's called the pick 'em up. But it's pick 'em up, keep 'em way. But it's okay, cause th- then Shaw makes him use his fake fake names. What sound like sex things? It. I feel like okay. There's like a deep, deep part of me that's just still pure bro, dude. And he comes out with films like Hobbs and Shaw or When I Have to Go to the Twin Peaks restaurant. And it just, I, it also came out when I saw what we're going to be discussing next week, where I'm just like, fuck yeah! <laughs> and this, that's the vibe Hobbs and Shaw gives me just during that whole thing. It's all great. It's just all a great fucking film. And when. When Michael Oxmall, <laughs> a.k.a. The Rock, showed up, and that British guy just looks at him and says, Mike Oxmall, I went, normal Scotty wouldn't think that's funny, but normal Scotty's not fucking here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing the shitty little mustache. <laughs> he made him say, guys, small Beepus. <laughs> and my favorite is even though it is his name, for some reason he's like, no, it's not. It's perfectly normal sized. I'm like, yeah, no, it's your name. It's okay. Just run with it, Dwayne. <laughs> I think it's a perfect film. <laughs> I think this may be a perfect no, film, man. No, it's there it's not a perfect film because the sexual Tension, no, Scotty. The sexual ten, no, and you can't ignore it. You can't ignore Actually, it. Actually, there was one scene I wanted to bring up where the sexual tension is palpable, and it's when they're breaking into the Etion base. Which, if no one's seen Hobbs and Shaw, we sound fucking insane. <laughs> but it's when they're breaking into the base, and the Rock 
has to fight like a bear-sized human, and Jason Statham has to fight ten human-sized bears. No, just normal <laughs> humans. And all Rock does is punch the guy in the face, and he just watches Jason Statham's, who tries so hard to impress the rock on his little dash killing all of these men. He's like <laughs> trying to nerve, he's like shoves two of them up against the glass like, eh? Is this it? Dwayne yawns. Fine, I'm gonna tase him and then I'm gonna tie him up with this. I don't know, kid. Love me, Jobs. Love me. <laughs> what will it take? Like, they hate each other so much in such an aggressive way and it's it but it's so like it would be solved so easily if they just banged it out (laughs) if they if they just banged it out they would be able to get over it and just fucking work together and get the mission over with and and just stop getting in each other's way I wish that's what Kevin Hart said on the fucking plane. I wish Kevin Hart heard them arguing and was like, hey, why don't you just go to the bathroom, join the Mile High Club, come out here, save the world. Bam, let's do it. And he'd be right. And they, 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 <laughs> and they get right. so, they like, it'd be great. They get so offended. Like, what? How did, what? No. And then they look at each other and they would just kind of like glare and like slowly shake their heads and be like, not gonna fucking like it and then they go back there and they do it and the whole plane would shake because they're very large <laughs> <and> manly <laughs> all it can make me think of is that episode of brooklyn 99 where i think it was gina told captain Holt that he needed to get laid <laughs> <laughs> what bone <laughs> bone <laughs> oh shit and also, like, I don't know why, I, I guess it is because, like, I am a dad now, but I really, uh, the character of Luke Hobbs appeals to me even more now, because he just gets to hang out with his daughter and do homework for her, and then they make Game of Thrones jokes, and then in the most gratuitous bullshit of the whole film, she makes him do the people's eyebrow at her, oh, which was fucking God. great. Yeah, no, him, him and his daughter are very wholesome. I kind of want to film just that. But then I realized that would just be like the Tooth Fairy. Because, like, that hap- that was a thing for a while, was Vin Diesel, The Rock, Big Largeman, goes and takes care of a little child for a whole movie. And it never worked. I think it... Fast and the Furious figured it out. You just got sprinkle in bits of it. And then for the rest of it, have Idris Elba threatening a man with a fucking flamethrower. Yeah, I don't know what that that was for a while. Where we just we really like taking very large men and and making them have to run around and do what small children tell them. Yeah, I think that happened. John had to have done something like that, right? What? D- John's had a I'm gonna take care of children. What movie, John right? John Cena? Yeah, John Cena. Yeah, that was the firehouse. That was or not firehouse. The fire. He's like a. A I, I watched with fire? it. I watched it not long ago. It's very bad. <laughs> Ke- Keegan Michael Key and John Leguizamo are also in it. It's it's horrendous. Um, 
Yeah, I think it is playing. I think it's like playing with fire. Something like that. Is what that one was. I didn't know that was a. I knew it was like a a kids movie about firefighters. I didn't know it was a I'm taking care of kids movie. It's an I'm taking care of kids movie. And then you got uh, you got the pacifier, which that's a lot of fun if you're not sober. <laughs> You've got um the chaperone, which is the one where. Former WWE champion Triple H has to ride on a school bus with a bunch of kids to the museum and then has to kill spies. I mean, if you go way back to the 90s, you got, what, Suburban Commando? Suburban Commando is also a film that exists in the world featuring the noted racist yes, Hulk Hogan. Featuring, featuring just bad, all-around bad dude Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah, kindergarten <laughs> cop. This is nothing. This is, <laughs> no, we are just, just listing us. things. Uh, listing. And most most recently, I my uh, not I spy my spy with Dave with Batista, Batista, which is just it's trash. It's trash. Maybe that's like hazing in Hollywood, like joining a frat. Like if you want to join us, you gotta make the child movie first, and then we will let you join our ranks of Hollywood land. What is that, large man? You wish to act? <laughs> <laughs> Come to me, large man. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have. T- I did two things this week, but one I'm actually going to be sharing on our Twitter account. Because the, one of my favorite things about The Rock when he gets to just say what the fuck he wants in a movie, as I assume he did in this one, is the fact that random shit comes out of his mouth when he insults people. He's just like, who the cherry picking cotton mouth bitch is this? Like, Dwayne, that's not real words. <laughs> So I've created a fun little infographic, and it's the How Will Luke Hobbs Insult You game. <laughs> you begin by taking your favorite rock character, add your birth month, and then your favorite color, which correspond to different sentences in the phrase. <laughs> For instance, uh, I uh, my favorite is Luke Hobbs. My birthday is in January. My favorite color is red. So Luke Hobbs would look at me and say, I'm going to kick your ass, you stupid jabroni. Uh, Would you like to play along at home and do your own fun one? Yes. Yes, I would love to. All right. Who's your favorite rock character? Uh, I've got the Scorpion King, Luke Hobbs, Smolder Bravestone, that guy from Rampage and Maui. (laughs) Uh, I'll say Maui. Okay. Okay. Uh, Your birth month? November. Okay, and your favorite color? Purple. Purple. Uh, oh, God, that one does. <laughs> I've got a few of these. I have candy ass as both an adjective and a noun. <laughs> uh, but your insult is, you run around looking like a candy ass crap. <laughs> You might, you might want to do some fine tuning. <laughs> nope, you're a candy ass crab. <laughs> What's hold on? What's the rock's fa- Let's do it for the rock. Okay. What would the rock get? All right. Okay, rock's favorite color is black. Whoa, wait, stars unfolded. There's a whole page on him. What about Angela Lansbury? What? what the fuck? Does this have a whole section of just his preferences? Black Nova Scotian and Samoan. His hobbies are fishing. 
His favorite foods are donuts and pizza. He loves Tommy Lee Jones and Angela Bassett. <laughs> okay, his favorite color is black. He was born in May. What character do you think Dwayne likes playing the most? I imagine he had a really good time being Smolder Bravestone. <laughs> oh, this one's very good then. Uh, it's shut your mouth, you Harry Potter wanker. <laughs> that's, that's very good. I, that's I, I really good. can't picture The Rock calling anyone a wanker. He literally does in Hobbs and Shaw. I don't remember that. It's when they call each other assholes and then Jason Statham says, In your language, that'd be some bitch. And then in reply, Hobb goes, And in your language, it's wanker. Which just sounds gross coming out of his mouth. Yeah, no, that's wrong and bad. I don't like it. What makes me the most mad is the fact that I randomized, so that way I wouldn't, like, select and choose, like, stuff to make mine sound cool. And it sucks because black, which a lot of people enjoy black as their favorite color, they all get stuck with wanker. They all just get stuck with wanker. They all get to be called wankers. <laughs> All right. Well, now I I wasn't fucking around. I did write 10 whole ass pages of Hobbs and Shaw fan fiction. Do you want to do you want to know the inspiration? Like I I love this duo film. I felt like it was a throwback to like the Abbott and Costello's, the Three Stooges, like those old buddy movies and I really liked that. Yes, and that I, that famous duo the Three Stooges. <laughs> Nah, but I, I I get what you mean. Yeah, so I wanted to, like, make something in the vein of those, but with Hobbs and Shaw. And then I accidentally just wrote the sequel to Hobbs and Shaw. I'm so frightened. <laughs> it's been six months since the defeat of Brixton Lore off the coast of Samoa. Luke Hobbs and Deckard Shaw have each returned to their respective lives, reuniting with their families and trying their damnedest to avoid Dominic Toretto because, let's face it, fuck that. Work has been surprisingly <laughs> light for Hobbs, who had spent True. his days mostly helping his daughter with homework and building a damn fine papier-mâché volcano. One morning, however, things changed for Hobbs with a simple phone call. This is Special Agent Luke Hobbs. Who am I speaking with? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> a voice rang from the other line, immediately causing Hobbs to audibly groan. It was none other than Victor Locke, CIA agent and extreme pain in Hobbs' ass. What do you want, Locke? Did you see that WandaVision finale? It's amazing. <laughs> you know, I really thought they should have leaned in more to the character development, but really it's Locke, do not make me block your number. Okay, fine. Besides, you know blocking me won't change things. I've got 50 burner phones in my glove box, each with only one number listed under the name Samoan Daddy. Lock <laughs> on with it. Fine then, Agatha. I just called to let you know that an old friend of yours has been seen running around the Romanian countryside with a pistol in his hand and anger in his eyes. <laughs> Shaw? Hobbs responded with his patented raised eyebrow. Shaw? Like Deckard Shaw? No, no, not him. What's he been up to lately, by the way? We never got to hang out, and I really feel like we could click. It's Locke! Back to your point. It's Brixton Lore. Locke let this sentence hang in the air for a moment, causing Hobbs to stare at him with a cocked head. You know, your old robo-pal from Samoa? Yeah, he's been terrorizing East Europe for the past few weeks now, and we just got word of it. 
That's impossible, Hobbs responds. Brixton was decommissioned by Edeon during the battle. He's good as dead. Yeah, that's what I said. Am I right? It's crazy. Suddenly, a notification pops up on Hobbs' phone. It was an image sent by Locke, and in the middle of the frame was sure as hell Brixton lore rampaging across the countryside. Anyways, looks like Darth Vader found himself in East Europe. Think you can track him down? Of course I can. Excellent. Well, I'll just run then and get the paperwork sorted out, and then we can... Oh, no, 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 no. You're doing that thing. What thing? When you get nervous, you sound like your balls flew up into your throat. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing? Locke, be honest me with me here. Well, since the issue's taking place in Europe, we thought it would make sense if... Oh, don't tell me you're sending me to work with that Harry Potter candy ass again. Fine, you're not. Are you lying to me? No, I'd never lie to you, Hobbs. Yes, you would. Yeah, yeah, I would. You're right. Um, fine. You're going to be working with Deckard Shot again. We thought it would be best to send the two men who took Brixton down to figure out what's going on. Locke, you understand I know where you live, right? Yeah, and yet you never come over for dinner. <laughs> this comment causes Hobbs to contemplate pressing that ever-seducing end call button which had tempted Hobbs so many times during his calls with Locke. Your plane leaves at 5.30 sharp. We charge you the best damn plane we could get. Good luck. That evening, Luke Hobbs finds himself on what he can only describe as a tin can with a pair of wings. Hobbs knew there were no potholes in the sky, and yet somehow this plane was managing to hit every single one of them. The worst part of this ride, however, was who they chartered the plane with. That's right, baby. Bow. Yeah, it's a sequel. I'm back. Uh-huh. In it again. Yeah. Air Marshal Dinkley comments, talking to no one except himself. All right, man. So I know you got yourself all sorted with your guns and your bulletproof vest and all that, but from one man to man, I got to give you some advice. You're going to need more than that. Romania is a dangerous place, filled with the most vile evil the world has ever seen. You're going to need backup. With that, Dinkley tosses a bag towards Hobbs, which, when opened, unleashed a horrid smell into the air that permeated the very small cabin space they shared. Jesus Christ, what in the blue hell is that? Hobbs comments as he digs around in the bag to reveal large wooden spikes and crucifixes. Garlic, my man! You know what I'm thinking about this whole thing? Vampires! Hobbs merely stares in utter disbelief. I think old Brixton, big man, vampire. Think about it. Man dies, comes back to life, and then somehow climbed up the rocks to get to the surface. Who can get up spaces real quick? Bats, because they got wings. Bat. <laughs> You think I'm going to Romania to hunt vampires? I mean, it's the only logical conclusion, and I... I want to be your second. Hobbs merely groans and sits back in his seat. No, come on, man, I could be your Van Helsing. I played Castlevania, I played it all, I know how to... Hobbs places a sleep mask over his eyes and leans back, fading dinkly away into the background while kicking that bag of old moldy garlic into the front seat with the uh, air marshal. Eventually, he arrives in Romania with Dinkley, who is now wearing a cloak for some reason and screaming, Bloodborne, baby! Let's go Bloodborne on this bitch! <laughs> fucking God. <laughs> I see you had a tough time. A voice calls out from the darkness. None other than Deckard Shaw, a man who went through a funny series of events this morning that coincided with what happened with Hobbs and showed how similar they are as characters, but I didn't want to fucking write that. So, really? Brixton. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's where you restrained yourself? <laughs> this would have been a much longer fic. So, Brixton managed to find a way to crawl out of the Pacific Ocean and halfway across the world to Romania, huh? 
You think Edeon's involved? Hobbs asks as the duo get into the car, chauffeured by an older Romanian gentleman whose car featured a large symbol carved into the front windshield. A horrifying symbol which read, Uber. Edeon decommissioned Brixton the minute he wasn't of use to them anymore. Something must have overridden Edeon's controls in Brixton's mind and gave him use of his upgrades once again. Brixton. A voice, it's not who you think it is. A voice calls from the front of the car. Are you speaking of the nightshade? I'm sorry, what? Hobbs responds as the piercing eyes of the driver stare at him through the rear view mirror. Nightshade? He has become... <laughs> he has become a folktale in our land. No. This is how people talk in Romania, yes? No! People warn of the nightshade descending upon their villages and burning them to the ground. I, I myself saw I my entire is village. Is this Is not racist? I think this might be racist. Is this racist? Wait, is it the accent? The accent will make sense eventually. I think... <laughs> Or is it just the all of it? I, the, the, yeah, I, I think it is the whole package. <laughs> okay. he, I think it's the whole... He has become a dark legend in our village. It is I, a Romanian <laughs> Uber driver, a blast. Well, yeah, think about back in the day with Abbott and Costello. <laughs> they would go off and, like, fight Draculas and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not Dracula. I wouldn't do something that stupid. No, God forbid. He has become folktale in our land. People warn of the nightshade descending upon their families. If I go, like, over with it, if I go way too big with it, does it stop being racist? No, you, be... sound, you sound like fucking Tevia. Now you... <laughs> <laughs> You, you go, you go higher, and it, 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 you go more, and it sounds like yes. Brixton sounds like a fiddler on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be. I almost just passed out. <laughs> oh. oh <laughs> um. Uh, is there a different voice you would prefer? <laughs> Just do John Mulaney, but he's Romanian. I don't know what to do. Hey, you know, I... I'm just making observations. You do you, baby. People warn of nightshade, descending <laughs> upon their families and burning them to the ground. I myself saw my entire village taken to rubble by him. I saw my family destroyed by him. You gentlemen, you're here to stop the nightshade? He's getting close to Borat now, and that's even better. There are no cats in America. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. You gentlemen here to stop the nightshade. Yes. We've done it once. We'll do it again. Hobbs offers up a reassuring comment to the frankly schizophrenic gentleman at this point <laughs> with a million different accents who sighs and stares out the window at the remains of what was once a beautiful small village. The only thing that still stands is a large tower on its outskirts, which the driver fondly remembers as his home. 
The people in the village- oh, fuck. The people in the village of Balkova have been reporting that their locals have spotted the nightshade out in the woods surrounding their town. This is surely a symbol. He is coming for them soon. He's staking them out, Shaw comments under his breath, getting a feel of people's schedules, making it easy to pick them off one by one. Well, yeah, but what would Brixton want from a small Romanian village? Guess that's what we're here to find out. <laughs> Shaw is also going towards, like, way too much. Shaw comments as they pull up to the small village of Bakova, featuring various individuals walking the streets, headed to work, etc. The duo walk the street, both sticking out like sore thumbs when suddenly a man approaches them, nervous, nervously. No, now he's invading narration! You can't! <clears throat> hey, are you, uh, are you here to stop the nightshade? The bizarre thing about this man was that, much like Hobbs and Shaw, he didn't exactly fit the aesthetic of everyone else in the village. He was a small, balding Caucasian man who will probably be played by some gratuitous celebrity cameo. Probably Jack Black, I don't know. He sported a small pair of glasses and a golfing shirt. Do you know why the Nightshade would be attacking here? Shaw asked, slowly approaching the small man. Well, no, of course I- With that, Shaw rushes forward and pins the man to a brick wall. You might want to take your next words awful carefully, Bunsen Honeydew. Hobbs steps in now. Cause you see how much that hurts? Well, for every muscle this guy has, I've got 20, so just imagine what I'll do if you don't cooperate. Fine, fine, come with me. He's- It's Jason Alexander now. <laughs> What's happened to my voice? You got me in my head. He leads them to a small shack, which featured several boxes loaded up to onto a cart. The shack was actually clean, barely touched, in fact. The man slowly leads them in, nervously searching through boxes. He's coming here because of... because of me. He's been searching for me in just about every town, and luckily I've been able to escape with everything on this cart, but... And what exactly would he want with you? Hobbs begins to ask when he notices a label on all of those boxes that this man was searching through. A label reading, Et Etion. Oh, so you're one of those bastards, huh? What? No! He responds before nervously attempting to cover up all of the labels on the boxes. I used to work for them. Back when their dream was simply advancement of humanity, but not required evolution. I was part of the team that worked on the cerebral chip that enhanced Brixton's mind. I built the UI that allowed him to analyze everything before his fights. They told me it was for improving society. I mean, being able to analyze those around you and break them down would make conversations, arguments, anything easier. They told me my work would lead to world peace. Then they turned it into a weapon. So what does Brixton want with you? Not with me. With this. He holds up a small computer chip which featured the Etion logo emblazoned onto it. This is the cerebral trip chip that made Brixton possible. From what I've seen, he's currently running mindless. All of the showings of analysis are long gone. He's just a mindless killing machine. Seems when Etion decommissioned him, it fried his cerebral trip and left him broken. With this, Brixton will be back at full power. And that means dangerous things for the world if he's off the leash with this thing. 
Suddenly, from outside, a massive-ass burst of fire shoots from the sky, turning the tent temporarily crimson. The trio rush outside to discover none other than Brixton Lore himself setting fires to the nearby tents and assaulting locals in the streets. The former Edeon agent quickly rushes back into their tent to gather up their belongings to move to another village. Hobbs and Shaw, however, were not readying to leave. They were readying for a fight. Brixton grabs a small fruit cart and lifts it above his head before tossing it towards our heroes who collide to earth with a massive thud. As the debris surrounding them settles, they clear their eyes and look up to discover Brixton, but unlike they had ever seen him, his legs were now tree trunks, his body was ripped to the core, and his extremely buffed left arm was... well, it was white. I mean, I don't mean, like, painted white either. I mean, like, Brixton now essentially had John Cena's arm just jutting out the side of his body. He rushes forward with a loud grunt and attempts to slam his fist down onto Hobbs and Shaw, who quickly dodge out of the way before Shaw delivers a swift kick to the leg, which levels Brixton to the ground. Hobbs quickly jumps in and locks him in a bulldog choke, attempting to keep the large man grounded when suddenly massive sparks of electricity shoot from Brixton's neck, causing Hobbs to fly off and land in a nearby heap. Shaw immediately jumps in and attempts to keep grips, gr Brixton grounded through some various jujitsu moves, but immediately gets thrown to the earth by this massive man who now can only speak in groans and grunts. He powers his way towards Hobbs and Shaw, who realize that they've got to work together, not unlike their battle on Samoa. Hobbs eats a punch from Brixton while Shaw sweeps the leg. The damage caused between them was exactly equal. They had done this song and dance before and were able to have Brixton slammed to the earth in no time. Hobbs pulls out his cell phone and quickly dials Locke. Locke, we got Brixton. What's next? Hobbs comments when Brixton suddenly begins to shuffle away, causing the Samoan ass kicker to deliver a swift kick to his ribs. Ah, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't do that, big man. I can bring you in hot or I can bring you in cold. Ooh, Mandalorian, someone's got a Disney Plus subscription. Locke comments as Hobbs merely grumps, grunts in response. Okay, load up Brixton, we'll bring him back to the CIA. It'll definitely be of interest to see what Edeon technology we can get out of him. You got it. Oh, Hobbs, one more thing, Locke responds. How excited are you for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? It's like, oh my god, we get a new Captain America. And I just, goodbye, Locke. Hobbs comments before closing his cell phone when suddenly he falls to the ground, electricity coursing through his body. He looks over at Shaw, whose body is also falling to the earth in pain. Hobbs reaches down and manages to grip the wires of the taser that's currently resting deep in his chest and pulls them out by hand. But before he can make it back to his feet, his body gives out and he collides with the earth. I'm sorry, gentlemen, a voice calls out, and Hobbs stares up through his dazed vision to discover their Uber driver slowly walking their way. But I cannot let you hurt my boy anymore. The man slowly stands over Brixton and places a hand over his face before Hobbs can't hold on anymore and passes out. Hours later, Hobbs... <laughs> the end. No, hours later... <laughs> Hobbs awakens in a huff, his body tied to a chair. He attempts to fight against the restraints, but finds his right arm surprisingly unable to move. He looks over and discovers that a tourniquet had been placed around his arm, leaving it dead and bloodless. He looks up to discover Shaw, Shaw tied up next to him, and on his other side, the scientist from Edeon. Hey, Cookie Puss, wake up! Hobbs screams over at the scientist, who awakes with a jolt. Where the hell are we? 
the duo look around this old stonework room and only discover a large window at one side showing them to be on the third floor of this building. In front of them was a large platform that could be lowered into a hole on the ceiling. Oh, god damn it, yeah. Oh, why would I do Dracula when I could do Frankenstein? <laughs> and standing on that platform was their Hoover driver, sitting on a table which also housed the now unmoving body of Brixton Lore. I'm so sorry I had to do this to you, gentlemen, the man comments while slowly walking down the steps. It just seems that you once again were attempting to get in the way of evolution taking place. This, this feels <laughs> deeply problematic. <laughs> on so I am many a levels. Dracula Frankenstein! <laughs> and he, he, <laughs> and he, he gave Brixton John Cena's arm? <laughs> just wait for it. It's not actually John Cena. It'll make sense in a minute. Who is this guy? Is he E.T. on two? Shaw asks the now terrified as fuck scientist who shakes his head nervously with an emphatic no. Ethion, the man laughs. Ho ho ho! I would never work with those fools. They aren't creating better humans, just better robots. True strength doesn't come from technology, it comes from blood and. <laughs> yeah! From blood. You wanna take that one again? I am, I am Dracula. I'm not Dracula. It comes from blood and the bone, and he runs a finger down Hobbs' now deadened right arm. Muscle. Uh. Well, hey, if you like these muscles, I'd be more than willing to give you a closer look when I shove my fist so far down your throat I'll be doing a puppet show with your asshole. Oh, Agent Hobbs, how aggressive of you. That's what I'm talking about right there. That That's type of my kink. <laughs> That's my shit. That type of creative violence can only come from the human mind. However, Egition has certainly made more than a few advancements that have assisted me in my cause. I attempted to remove all of their robotic tampering with Brixton that I could, but unfortunately... His brain is completely non-functional thanks to a bullet hole from one Deckard Shaw. But thanks to Etienne's cybernetic implants, I was able to have Brixton up and running in no time. I just needed one last thing. He slowly strolls over to the scientist and puts his hand in his jacket pocket, ripping out the cybernetic implant. You see, this implant is what makes Brixton human. It gives him back his thoughts, his emotions, his analytical personality. And yet you kept it from me for all of these months. You could have made this so much easier, but you had to make me run the rat race, as they say. I appreciate that. Suddenly a loud bang fills the room as the madman now shoots the former Edeon scientist in the chest, sending him flying backwards in the chair and falling to the ground in a heap. Hobbs and Shaw are forced to look on as the scientist slowly ascends up the steps once again, readying to place that chip in Brixton's brain. Hobbs fights against his restraints as Shaw attempts to cut through them, but it was no use. The cackle of the madman <laughs> fills the room as he slowly places the chip inside of Brixton's skull and begins his boot up sequence so what now shaw screams out you're just gonna let him come down here and tear us limb from limb hmm what an appropriate choice of words 
He quietly laughs. Because you see, these new limbs that Brixton possess, they are not from simple acts of grave robbing. Those arms, the legs, that body, they are trophies. Pieces of men that Brixton has eviscerated in his time here with me. The legs of a lumberjack, arm of a blacksmith, body of a goliath. He's just got one piece missing. And I think he's going to earn it today. He laughs as Hobbs stares down at his deadened arm and Brixton slowly comes to life before him. The scientist cackles as he rises. Yes! Yes! It's alive! I hate you. Before he can finish cackling, however, Brixton delivers a massive punch to his ribcage, sending him flying across the room and crashing into the brick wall, falling to the earth in a husk, killing him instantly and removing him from this story. <laughs> Brixton slowly cracks his neck as he walks down the staircase. Orbs and Shaw. Good to see you two. Oh, no, this is going to get real confusing when me and Stafum have to talk. Good to see you two lot still getting on. A groan comes from the corner as the mad scientist slowly attempts to crawl towards the door for escape. Brixton groans and walks over, delivering a massive kick to the ribs before grabbing him by the arms and stomping his skull into the brick below them. During this momentary distraction, Shaw quickly cuts through his restraints as Hobbs literally breaks the arms off of the chair itself, leaving him with two jagged pieces of wood tied to his arms. Brixton turns back with a sigh. Ah, well, couldn't have been easy, could it? He rushes towards Hobbs and Shaw as Hobbs quickly removes the tourniquet from his arm. He attempts to lift, lift said arm for a punch, but unfortunately it lays at his side as Brixton rushes him with a massive uppercut that sends him to the earth. Shaw lands a few body shots before Brixton merely grabs him and bull rushes him towards a stonework wall that they both break through and land in a heap. Brixton sits above Shaw and levels in vicious shot after shot to his skull until Deckard Shaw lay unmoving. Brixton laughs and turns to see Hobbs staring at him. Hey, just bring it, you Frankenstein-looking motherfucker! Hobbs screams out, causing Brixton to laugh as he steps over Shaw's body, kicking down rock onto him. Well, actually, mate, I hate to correct you here, but his name was Frankenstein. I'm actually technically called Frankenstein's bitch, I know. And with that, Hobbs rushes Brixton and slams him to the earth. He attempts to follow up with another punch from his right arm, but Brixton dodges and his fist collides with the earth, breaking his fingers. Hey, careful with that. Brixton laughs, grabbing Hobbs by his arm and wrenching it behind his back. I need that. I don't want to be receiving something broken, do I? <laughs> Hobbs grunts as his arm continues to bend behind him, but he quickly turns it around into a rock fucking bottom. Because yes, baby, let the rock do it in every movie. And then he looks up in this square room to discover large ropes decorating the walls. He looks back at Shaw, who's slowly moving out of the rubble, and groans as he sees Hobbs bounce towards those ropes, then rush across the room to the other ropes before landing over Brixton and delivering the most electrifying move in all of sports entertainment, the people's elbow. You know that shit looks weak as hell, right? Shaw grunts as he escapes the brickwork and approaches the down Brixton. Yeah, well, the people love it. Hobbs responds when suddenly he gets grabbed by the leg by Brixton, who quickly tosses him to the earth. And not all the people, mate. 
He smiles wickedly as he stands before Shaw, who attempts to rush him once again, but he dodges and sends Shaw directly into the brick wall. Brixton rushes in for a big punch, but Shaw dodges, sending Brixton's hand through the stone itself, sending a crack flying up to the top of the tower. Thinking quickly, Shaw rushes towards another wall, dodging another punch and sending a second crack up the wall. Finally, he arrives at a third point on the wall, but before Brixton's punch can land, he stops. Really, mate? He laughs. You think I'm that stupid? You know what? I'll be honest with you. If this was me about, I don't know, an hour ago, that might have worked. But I have my mind back. I got me senses back. And I've got the body of a god. Well, almost. Just need Maui over here. He leans down to Hobbs and picks his arm before once again wrenching it behind his back. Hobbs struggles in pain as he feels his tendons tearing. He attempts to stand to lessen the pain, but Brixton places a boot against his head, and all he could do now was struggle. Shaw stared in horror when he began to notice something. The connection point of Brixton's arm to his body was tearing apart. Threads were beginning to come loose as Hobbs fought back. Shaw knew he had one chance at this. He rushed forward towards Brixton and fell to the earth before him, grabbing him by the arm and kicking with all his might. As he did, those threads gave way and his arm was ripped completely free from his body. Brixton fell back in pain, his right arm still firmly grasped onto Hobbs' wrist. He grunts in fury and grabs Hobbs, throwing him across the room with all of his strength and tossing him directly into Shaw, who merely steps to the side and let Ho lets Hobbs' massive Samoan frame collide with the, with the side of the room and send a third crack up the side. What? No! No! Brixton cries out as Hobbs and Shaw rush him, both fighting with everything they had as debris began to fall around them. Brixton was in a one-armed man in an ass-kicking contest, which never pays off well, especially as Deckard laid him out with a massive kick to the skull before Hobbs dropped him to the earth. The duo rush for the doorway as Brixton slowly crawls towards them before a massive stone collided with the platform in the center of the room, which fell over and crashed into Brixton's body. Hobbs and Shaw narrowly escape as that last tower and that small Romanian village fell to the earth, trapping Brixton inside. Shaw sighs as he walks over and discovers his former partner's arm laying limp in the rubble. No matter how many times that Shaw killed Brixton, he never truly thought he was gone, but as he looked into his eyes on that day, Shaw knew the battle was over. Well, Locke, it's over. Hob comments in the background as he picks up the cell phone. You bringing him in warm or cold there, Mando? Cold. Very cold. Got a fit building filled to the brim with Edeon Tech, too. Well, that's great news to hear. I'll send over a chopper soon for you and Baby Yoda. Hobbs laughs quietly before responding. This is the way. Ah, you said it! He said the thing! He said the thing! The end. Just kidding! Post-credit scene, motherfucker! <laughs> We see Brixton's body loaded up on a cart along with an insane amount of technology from the two scientists' labs. It's being slowly carted down a long CIA storage facility when suddenly the camera pans up and it realize, and we realize we aren't in the CIA's headquarters at all. At all. We're at Edeon. Congratulations, Mr. Locke, on returning to us the body of Brixton Lore. His body will provide great asset to us at Edeon. Well, you know, I'm just doing my job. Locke laughs as the camera pans towards a doorway labeled Director's Office. Are they aware of your involvement with Edeon? 
The director asks as the door opens slowly to reveal a single chair in his office. I don't think so. Agent Hobbs is more muscle than brain, although it certainly is a lot of muscle. Well, nowhere near as much muscle as you look. Oh, director, you're too flattering. No, I mean it. You're super strong and you have big muscles and a large penis. The camera pans around to reveal Locke having a whole-ass conversation with himself, moving between speaking into a voice modulator and speaking on his own. He then turns towards the camera with that big, patented Ryan Reynolds smile. Oh, hey! Guess you figured it out! That's right! It was Agent Locke all along! Ah, you should have watched WandaVision, you big Samoan idiot. End of film! Hobbs and Shaw 3 coming soon! Boom! Boom! Oh fuck! That was long, wasn't it? I'm <laughs> just looking at the recording time. I told you I would I, I write I, I have to write in time scripts for a living. I know what the average human speaking delivery time I went, is. I went faster than average, I'll give it that. <laughs> been 84 years <laughs> it's a really good ryan reynolds impression thank you he's just real happy it's just real happy and sarcastic and that's all it is um yeah i i do have a title for it and the title is Hobbs and Shaw meet Frankenstein. God, I fucking hate you so much. I should have fucking cottoned on to it when you said Abbott and Costello. Oh, yeah, baby. I knew it. I was like, I gotta do Hobbs and Shaw meet. I was gonna do Hobbs and Shaw versus. I'm like, no, it's gotta be meets. Gotta be full Abbott. I, I like it, though. I like taking a dumb idea and making something fun out of it. Fuck you. No, I mean, it's the the fucking... I mean, you can tell you've seen the movie 10 billion times. (laughs) Because everything is is very... Like, all the fucking quips and shit are just, like, there and extremely on point. I was very proud of a few of my quips. My personal favorite being... His name was Frankenstein. I'm technically Frankenstein's (laughs) bitch. That was, that was, that did make me fucking laugh. All right. That's <laughs> I what I did. Hate it. <laughs> You've warned me and I'm afraid. I don't think Mr. Worldwide is showing up, but like. No. Um, Hobbs and Shaw and Mr. Worldwide. Yes. Uh, no. So you told me what you were, well, you told me that it was going to be 8 million years long. So. Uh, I threatened retaliation. <laughs> I-, I threatened very brief retaliation. And I didn't care. I was like, yeah, j- I was I was like the rock. I said, just bring it. I don't care. You said, do it, coward. Um, <laughs> and so I did. And then I quickly realized that I was a victim of my own hubris and not not powerful enough. Because <laughs> you would have to then read what you wrote. Yep. On the show. Yep. So now we're going to play a fun game called how much of a, how, how much of a porn parody can Megan read before they get too embarrassed to go on. Okay, okay. Hold on. I've got the timer set. And go. <laughs> or can, can I even make it through the whole thing because there's not very much. Is this a is this a Megan original or did oh, you yeah, find I wrote, out Oh yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I wrote it. I, this was a challenge. There's no um, one else to blame. This is all me. This is all me, baby. Well, the idea was if I make this as funny, stupid, and bad as possible, surely then I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here we go. <laughs> This is this was my revenge, and then it, it just backfired. Now it's revenge against me, you, and everyone listening. It's just bad for everyone. Let's do it. So, it's after one of their bullshit spy missions, or whatever it is that Ryan Reynolds makes them do, and Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw are all tired and sweaty and beat up or whatever, and Hobbs probably had to take his shirt off for plot-related reasons, and that means that Shaw had to, like, get a big rip in his shirt or some nonsense, because contractual obligations regarding who gets to show off their big, cool muscles... <laughs> And Shaw is real mad at Hobbs, because he always is, because that's their dynamic. And Hobbs, likewise, is real mad at Shaw, because he always is, because that's their dynamic. And also <laughs> probably because Shaw tricked him into using a fake name, like J.P. Tiny Dick Esquire or some <laughs> shit. It's not even clever. <laughs> <laughs> And so Hobbs gets all up in Shaw's face, ignoring the fact that Hobbs would be looming over him like a fucking Kodiak bear, because The Rock is six foot five and Jason Stakeums is a, a twinkish 5'10", but whatever. You know, they got him in, like, heeled boots or something to preserve <laughs> his fragile masculine energies. <laughs> when I looked that up, I thought that that was insane. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Yeah. He's my height. Yeah. I'm Stakem size. Yeah. And yet, if you look at any things of them, same height. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, Hobbs, improbable as it may be, gets all up in Shaw's face, their sweaty bald heads glistening with unexpressed tension and simmering rage. Uh, <laughs> oh, and they're in a locker room. Why? Oh. Who, okay. Who cares? It was mission related. Just go with it. Why are you asking questions? This is a fan fiction about Hobbs and goddamn Shaw. So anyway, as I was saying, Shaw probably made some like snide comment about like Hobbs being a meathead or something. And I said like, in it or fucking L. And Hobbs stands up and like suddenly slams his fist against the locker right by Shaw's face boxing him in and Shaw glares at him but obviously he doesn't flinch because he's far too tough and manly for that and he says what the fuck mate and Hobbs who's just <laughs> so sweaty leans in real close and says I don't like your attitude bud and Shaw <laughs> leans in even closer because he's not going to let this big sweaty sculpted god of a man intimidate him <laughs> especially when he's just as sweaty and his muscles which Hobbs can't help but notice when they're standing so fucking close together are almost just as well defined and he says well I still don't like you pal and Hobbs no. swallows hard and he's never noticed that Shaw's eyes are hazel before with dark brown rings around the pupils and Hobbs feels a sensation uncoiling in his gut, something hotter even than the locker room that's making them so sweaty that they're both in for some reason that he can't remember. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He refocuses, his one fist still buried in the metal of the locker door, and with his other hand, he grabs a handful of what's left of Shaw's shirt and pulls him closer, and he says, Well, I never liked you. 
asshole. And Shaw can feel Hobbs' breath on him when he says this. And he is so sick to death of this big, useless idiot. But also how, after this whole adventure they've been through, that was assuredly very exciting. It had lots of cars blowing up and, and everything. Is his breath so nice? It's, it's downright minty fresh. How the fuck? And Shaw tries to focus on something else, like Hobbs's tattoos that are taut against his rock-hard muscles. And it turns out rock-hard was probably not the phrase he should have gone with when pressed up against the other man. He, he could feel <laughs> his dick acting on its own free will, pressing up against the zipper of his jeans. And God, he fucking hates Hobbs so much. He hates his stupid bald head, his deep brown eyes surrounded by crinkled laugh lines when he wasn't staring at Shaw like he wanted to fucking murder him, which was almost always. He hates everything about him. Asshole. Is that the best you got? Yeah. Why? What are you gonna... And Shaw closes what has become the increasingly small gap between the two beefy, egregiously sweaty men, tearing the last of his shirt to roughly kiss Hobbs on the mouth, effectively shutting him up. And for a long moment, Hobbs doesn't pull away. But then he does, with an awkward jerk. And now the two completely shirtless men stare at each other in stunned silence and still a decent amount of seething hatred. <laughs> What? Shaw starts pressing his erection up against Hobbs's leg, which is pretty fucking bold, all things considered. Are you going to do about it? Or is this something you can't handle without crying home to your friend, Dom? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Hobbs despises this stupid little British jerk-off so much. He pulls him in while cramming a hand down to Shaw's pants. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? Is it? Oh, I, this may be it. This may be it. Megan looks broken. Hands grasping for his cock as he whispers angrily in Shaw's ear, I'm going to fuck you until you can't stand up, sit down, or do anything but lay on the ground and beg for more. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. No. Shaw insists, his voice catching at the sensation of Hobbs' hand moving up and down his shaft. I'm gonna fuck you until you come so hard you can taste colors and see backwards through time. Hobbs, who was currently angrily undoing his pants, paused. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Just shut up and let me suck your dick, you big stupid <laughs> bastard. <laughs> and then they both finally hate fuck each other like we always wanted them to. <laughs> they just rip each other's pants off and go to fucking town. And Hobbs probably gives Shaw a rim job, I don't know. <laughs> They also both have to be hung like goddamn horses for contractual reasons. Like how Jason Stakeums isn't allowed to be short. Or neither of them can lose a fight to each other. Which means they also both have to top at some point. And then they also break everything in the locker room through the course of their violent and aggressive sex. And then afterwards, Hobbs is the little spoon. 
And he says that if Shaw ever tells anyone, he will tear his dick off and run it over with a truck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would love to know that The Rock is a little spoon. I'm a little spoon. It's just nice to get in there. See a big, strong man like The Rock tell me it's okay to be the little spoon? That's all I need. I think you just wrote the sequel to mine. Because yours, like, it's just like, that's what happens after they get back from (laughs) Romania. Yeah. I think I think that is what happens. Yeah. Well, fuck. This is a lot. We did a lot this week. And I know it's mostly me, but also then you. Cause you took like I, I I it took length for me to make people mad. You condensed it. <laughs> you condensed it now. I'm efficient. <laughs> But we fixed ho- we pick we fixed pops and shops. I let them meet Frankenstein, and you let them meet each other's dicks. And next week, you know, this is a film. Hobbs and Shaw is a film that is just great to enjoy while high. Speaking of a film that I watched high recently, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> We're talking about the the best the best kind of combat that there is the mortal kind. No, we need to quickly level all of it or do you think there's enough that we could do the new movie next week and then do the old movies and games as separate episodes. Oh yeah, no, we could spend so much time just on on the movie because you apparently don't know anything about about the other s- stuff. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I know the game. Like I've played the game, but like lore wise, deep in the Mortal Kombat lore. I'm I'm yeah. a slut for Mortal Kombat lore, <laughs> which is why I was so fucking pumped about this new movie, and it gave me everything I wanted, as well as many things that I didn't know that I wanted. Like Kano! Kano, my horrible, terrible trash son! <laughs> <laughs> I never I didn't know that I that going in that Kano would become my favorite Australian deadbeat shitlord Kano. <laughs> okay, no, you can't get it all out because like, I now you're making me want to talk about Kano, and we can't talk about Kano. I know we can't, we can't blow, week. we can't blow our Kano load until next week. Yes. So until then, where could people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Meg underscore Danger, where you know I haven't tweeted about Kano, but I'm gonna start. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and check out all the other podcasts I do from the mini adventures of Sammy Magic to a load of BS to this little one that I'm now able to speak about. <laughs> Have you heard of The Weird? Have you heard Perchance of The Weird? The actual play TTRPG podcast that's like if Twin Peaks was good, X-Files was worse, and Gravity Falls pretty much stayed the same. And you can find that at Join the Weird on Twitter, or you can support us at patreon.com slash join the weird. That might be our elevator pitch. <laughs> it is better Twin Peaks, worse X-Files, normal Gravity Falls.
<laughs> Just don't let Charles hear you say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, best day. You you made you made music, and we put it on the show. <laughs> you slipped into my Frankenstein monster. You, you make music. You make it for the monsters. Jesus. If you like that, if you like, if you heard that music and you went, ah, that, that sure is music, you can hear more of it at soundcloud.com slash best hyphen day or by going on to Apple Music or Spotify and searching best day. And if you want to support us, oh, you can do it at Patreon. I'm a ghost. I'm returned <laughs> from the day. If you never want to hear this again, Scotty will stop if you go give money to us on Patreon.com. Actually, can you put notes? Scotty, like, would you do a donation? Can you put a note in there? Put a note that just says "No more Romanian man," and then I won't do it again. If you donate at Patreon.com/slash a load of BS, or you can pick up that hot. Ass hot Babadook merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. I may try re-uploading the cursed one tonight and just see if Disney gets mad at us again. Because that's what I'm going to ask every time. Is like, can I buy the fucking cursed Baby Yoda one yet? And turn. I'm going to turn it into an NFT, and then we're going to... Don't even joke. I'm going to destroy your 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 favorite horrible worst podcast is going to burn down a section of the rainforest so that you can get an <laughs> NFT with Quicksilver Baby Yoda Hawk Babadook on it. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're going to save the rainforest with Hobbs and Shops. We're going to go punch that fire right in its bowls until it dies. <laughs> What's the NFT? Something I got no fucking time for. <laughs> 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 <laughs>